Hi, everyone. Welcome to Did That Make Air? Folks, this is episode eight. We've done two of, the, two of these episodes in a row where I have goofed on something with the record button on both. I don't know how in the world that happens. I promise I'm professionally trained, but <laughs> invariably there's going to be something that screws up, and in most cases it's going to be my fault. So let's go ahead and lay that out there before we get the program started. Everything is my fault. I'm Brian Wilmer, joined by Ed Barnes, and uh, Ed, go ahead and unload on me. I know you want to. Oh, man, I was just going to say, isn't it kind of fun when there are, you know, hey, not everything is perfect just as in life. So isn't it kind of more fun when you have some, you know, there are little things like that where you can just kind of laugh at it and enjoy it. And uh, I was going to say that was more fun. And then you, you followed it up by saying everything is your fault, which it's not. So uh, I can't wholeheartedly agree with the statement, but come on, you know, there's nothing wrong with little mistakes. Sometimes those are the best parts. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in fact, some people... Uh, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, for instance, choose to have seven or eight mistakes in their life and oh, go public oh, with them. Just kicked it up a notch did, there. Did I say that? Really escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, appreciate the uh, the imperfections in life, the beauty, and blah, 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 whatever. Right. Uh, well, as I mentioned, this is Did That Make Air. If you want to contact the program, it's simple to do, at Did That Make Air on Twitter. You can also email us, dtmapodcast at gmail.com. Once again, dtmapodcast.com. At gmail.com, subscribe on iTunes, please. I've uninstalled iTunes off my machine, so I don't know what the hell you're saying about the program, but hopefully it's something nice. Have you really? Uh, yeah, just because I don't really like the way iTunes plays with some of my other applications. Ooh. Uh, did you not Did you not agree to the iTunes terms and conditions? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm turning into human sent iPad. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> A lot to get to on the program tonight. Uh, some Some stuff... Centered around the big question, which will probably spiral into a number of little questions, as we always do each week, we have some excuses for things. I know that my father, in particular, is not a big fan of excuses. We'll talk about excuses. And something that I'm going to unveil on the program, I haven't even told Ed what it is, oh boy. But, but we'll do it later on in the program so that he has plenty of time to be sufficiently frightened. But. I already am. I, I, I don't know. I guess is that a theme? Is that because it's Halloween coming up this week? That... No, I mean we're we're not that morning zoo about it. But <laughs> if you want to go that way, then sure. You don't have like a wacky ghost sound effect or something. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe some like Scooby Doo and Shaggy drops or something. And you know, come on, why not? Yeah, um, none My of lady that. Lady friend's been trying to get me into the Halloween spirit, which I don't know. She doesn't seem to understand why I'm not into it. But uh, you know, what can I say? Uh, did you tell her that you're not 12? Uh, I have mentioned that, yes. Um, I think she is aware that I am not 12 years old. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so, too. Tonight's big question. Uh, we could have gone in probably seven or eight different directions with big questions. I know that we discussed a number of them during the week, and probably most of them will end up on the program at some point. And we'll prob probably end up making people hate us even more than they already do. But tonight's big question, why is it... In such a supposedly interactive world, we go out of our way to avoid people. This is kind Absolutely. of yeah, it's kind of a follow up on on some of the things that we've discussed on the program, although not to any great detail. So, I'll start by relaying the story I was about to relay to you before we went on the air. I was in Trader Joe's this weekend, and Trader Joe's is not normally, as you mentioned, a Brian approved place. It's just not how I roll. I walked in there. You were out of guava juice. That's why you went. Yeah, exactly. I needed some uh, <laughs> some freeze-dried cranberries and some other stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I Trader Vicks. 
because all their brands are different names you see yeah. based on the product. <laughs> when walking in, I mean, it's bad enough walking in because there, you know, there are people standing there holding a latte, talking on a cell phone, pushing their cart around, you know, blocking up half the out. That's already bad enough. But I go in there and I, I'm just going in to get two things of chocolate sunflower seeds. It's not that tough to do. And so I'm standing there in the line of what looks to be the least talkative person because I'm not really in a mood to deal with people. And as I'm standing there, I get summoned over to this register that has just opened up by probably the friendliest, most talkative person they've ever had work in that place. It's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, (laughs) good to have you. Glad you're here. And Can I help you find anything? No, you can't help me find anything else. I got what I wanted. Help me find my way out the door. Yes, let me get the hell out of here. I just want to pay my six bucks for these overpriced, ridiculous sunflower seeds that I have to have and get out of your stupid store. But no, he wants to engage me in a conversation for five minutes. And I felt kind of bad when I walked out, but then on the other hand, I didn't because like we've talked about on the program before, I don't really want to talk to grocery people. There are people, and I I laugh at this, there are people around here, and I know you're not familiar with South Carolina, not having been here, but there are people around here who gripe about self-checkout lanes, which is something we've talked about on the program before, because they don't get enough of a customer touch when they go through a self-checkout lane. They don't get to talk to people. And they they specifically go to stores that don't have self-checkout lanes so they can talk to people. Why? Interesting choice. Very interesting choice. Not the one that I'd be going with. I wanted to ask you, though, Brian, what did the cashier say when you talked about giving chocolate sunflower seeds to kids on Halloween? (laughs) I did not mention that. I should have. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what kind of reaction that would have gotten. Maybe like something about how you should be using carob because it's better. Something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to open the door and throw a pumpkin at everybody. Is that, yeah. that good enough for you? Yeah, I mean the, the the talk all in the fail book is all about how people there needs to be an app on Halloween to tell you who's giving away the best candy. No, that Ugh. seems to defeat the purpose. But anyway, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, so why are we trying to avoid talking to people so much? Um, well. The thing is, is we've also got more information than ever about people. We've got more ways to connect with people. Um, and the more ways to ga- gather information about people have led us to believe that people generally suck. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. And if you ask a lot, uh, if you got a cross-section of people and said, what's your general opinion on people? Do you think that people are generally good? You know, a lot of, there would definitely be some people who are like, oh, I, don't, I don't really think so at all. No, I don't think so. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in this world. And, you know, I just, you know, I had this whole situation happen with someone at work where, you know, they took my piece of cake from the break room or something after I claimed it. I don't know. Whatever happens in offices, <laughs> I, since I don't work in one, I'm kind of happy about that. But they, there really is this phenomenon where we are willing to put our thoughts out there on Twitter. Every, you know, few minutes or so, depending. I mean, there are some people tweeting a lot and not for any sort of news capacity. Guilty. Just to say, what's that? Guilty. (laughs) Well, I mean, it could be any number of things. I remember doing a quick Twitter search last night during the second quarter of that terrible, terrible Monday night game Uh. for Marshawn Lynch because I have him on a couple fantasy teams and he was out for a couple series. And I wondered, is he hurt? And have they just not bothered to tell us on Monday Night Football yet? So I did a Marshawn Lynch search, and the number of people who were tweeting things like, man, Marshawn Lynch is having a great game. <laughs> you know, I look at that and I think, you know, before if I was going to send a tweet like that, I would stop myself before I hit tweet and would think to myself, who, who really cares what I have to say about Marshawn Lynch right now? <laughs> 
I don't really think anyone does. Even the hundred or so people that are following me on my lightly used Twitter account. But that doesn't go through the head of the people who are tweeting this stuff out right now. So we're willing to share all these thoughts. We're willing to post on Facebook. We're willing to write blogs. We're willing to make, you know, six second vines about jumping over cars or whatever. Awesome, by the way. You know, or not making it while you jump over cars, whatever is more entertaining. <laughs> so we're willing to do all this stuff where we're sharing about our lives. And then it comes to the idea of, hey, you want to go out and actually be in a social setting and talk to someone face to face? No. You know, because I can just stay home and sit on my couch and watch any number of thousands of shows or movies or something that are available on my DVR or on demand now. And, you know, then I don't have to risk running into one of these people that's just going to potentially not agree with my viewpoint and, uh, you know, make it in a, a not enjoyable night for me. You know, I hate to reference Family Guy on this show. It, it really makes me feel dirty to do so. But I'm thinking of one particular scene where they lost television in Quahog and Peter Griffin is walking around with like this screen that's kind of attached to the front of him and he sees everybody through a TV screen. I'm kind of thinking that's how we are with individuals anymore. We only have substantive conversations and really reveal anything when there's a computer screen in front of us. When it comes to standing in front of a person and actually not having a screen there, we don't want to have anything to do with anybody. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, you know, I hope that you enjoy your return trip to Trader Joe's for some herbal mint shower gel or whatever it is you need to clean yourself off from your Family Guy reference. But <laughs> the bigger thing, thanks. I, yeah, no problem. I'm here all for another couple hours or so. I think. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, the other the other thing about that is it really takes a very large event in this world where you have to drastically change someone's you know reality almost, where you can really get a sense of people actually bonding together again. And, uh, you know, look, it, I'm not even going to talk about something, you know, like a Hurricane Sandy or anything like that. But <laughs> in San Diego a couple years ago, and, you know, some people may remember this, and we have chatted about it, uh, you know, on the various shows at various times, about there was a major blackout in Southern California, over a million people, well over a million people without power. That extended to another, you know, several hundred thousand, if not a million people in Mexico. I don't have all the numbers and information in front of me. But it was something where the entire city was without power for about, uh, I don't know. 12, 16 hours. So this was all happening right around the time that the evening commute was going on. And this had hit before the evening commute. So the evening commute was a complete mess because there were no traffic lights. <laughs> you know, there was nothing going on. So it was, traffic was crazy. That's going on. So no one has any power. So people are thinking like, well, I'll go to the store and get nothing because all of their systems are down. So all of these people are trying to figure out what do I do with myself now that there's no power? I can't watch TV. I can't be on my phone. I can't be on my iPad. I can't do all this stuff. Well, a lot of people ended up getting together and just drinking all the booze in their house. I, I swear to God, I heard that a lot. People ended up going over to someone else's house and just being like, all right, well, you know, between the four of us, we polished off like, you know, a case of beer and a couple of bottles of wine and some whiskey because that's what we had around and we couldn't go buy anything. And then near the place that we lived at the time, there was a uh, liquor store, still is, named Dick's Liquor. And Dick's Liquor – Wait, what? The, Dick's Liquor. I swear to God, there's also the liquor <laughs> box within walking distance of my old place. Oh, my God. There's the liquor box and Dick's Liquor. These are real places. This is not a joke. Don't worry. There will be plenty of other bad jokes later. So the other thing that Dick's Liquor did that was something where I, I 
talk about, you know, all of this was leading up to the fact that Dick's Liquor was willing to take people's personal checks on the good faith that they were all going to work out, not, you know, doing anything to verify them on the spot. And just people would be coming in going, look, I really want to get some beer because we don't have any power and I need to drink something. And Dick's Liquor would just be like, okay, write us a check. And even though I wasn't around to experience this personally as I was doing a game in San Diego being broadcast or a game in Phoenix being broadcast back to San Diego where no one could see it, which was really odd in and of itself. A story like that about Dick Slicker going like, yeah, go ahead. Write us a personal check. We'll take it on good faith. We won't worry about it right now while everyone else is going like, no, no, our system's down so we can't do anything. It's like that's a good story. But you see what I'm saying? Like it takes some kind of monumental event in order for people to change their mindset and think like, look, you know, we should do something for the greater good. See, you mentioned the whole check thing, and I'm, I'm reminded of numerous stories from college, like Domino's Pizza charging $35 check recovery fees over a check that bounced by like two cents, stuff like that. You know. Oh, I thought you were just going to talk about anyone writing a check these days. It's <laughs> like, really? You're writing a check? Yeah, see, when, when I go to write a check, my first instinct is to uh, have the first number of the year start with a nine. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, if I'm writing a check, I think it's usually like rent each month, and that's about it. <laughs> I don't even do that anymore. I think I just deposit everything directly into a bank account. Writing a check is so lo-fi. I know. Oh God! Wait, wait a minute, lo-fi. I'm starting to sound like a hipster. Son, I'm gonna read a book. <laughs> I wrote a check today. That's strange. That's really weird. <laughs> We were uh, we were talking about a lot of these things with people going out of their way to avoid people and, and whatever else. And, and I was reminded of something that I had seen earlier in the week. And I told you about this. I'm not going to read the entire thing. But there was a, a post on Mike Rowe. And I know most people know Mike Rowe. Uh, there was a post on... Dirty Jobs. Yeah, on, on his Some Facebook. Some really great Ford commercials. Uh, and, and really good uh, household cleaners, too, by the way. Oh, uh, believe it. Yeah, I, I wound up... This, this is a completely non sequitur story, but I wound up getting grass stains out of my shoes with some of Micro's cleaning products, but I digress. Uh, somebody wrote on Mike's Facebook page, and again, I'm not going to read the entire thing. It says, Shannon K. Walsh wrote, Mike, how could you associate with such a horrible and psychotic person that is Glenn Beck? I wouldn't accept a dime off that, that hateful, nasty, racist, very disappointed to see this post. Now, before I go on, let me just say this as a disclaimer. We're not here to tell anybody what to think politically. We're not here to say that Glenn Beck is the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. We're just reporting what we see, and we're using this to build on a greater point. Yeah, yeah. unless you disagree with gay marriage, then I really have no way to talk to you about it. Because <laughs> like, I, I think that's incomprehensible, but that's, a, that's another story. <laughs> we, we proceed. Mike says back, uh, if you want a detailed answer to your question, please take a moment to read my earlier reply to Bob Riedel, another crestfallen soul who couldn't reconcile my association with a TV host that he personally despised. As you read it out loud, if possible, and in a public place, kindly replace the words Bob Riedel with Shannon K. Walsh and Bill Maher with Glenn Beck. But prepare yourself. You might be forced to conclude that my true objective has little to do with winning or losing your approval. And he mentions the original response. I'm not going to read it. But he says... As for your personal characterization of Glenn Beck, I can only assume that you have information not available to me. In my time with him, I saw nothing horrible, psychotic, hateful, or nasty. I smelled no burning sulfur, no smoldering brimstone, and saw no sign of cloven hooves. Now, let me, let me first say, that is snark to an excellent degree. I'm, I'm always 
impressed whenever somebody decides to uh, get snarky and they use fairly big words to do so, unless it's Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football. Like hooves? <laughs> yeah. Ain't it, ain't it hooves? <laughs> it says, uh, to the contrary, I found a very passionate guy who employs about 300 people, works his butt off, and puts his money where his mouth is. Do we agree on everything? Of course not. Am I disappointed by that fact? Not at all. The real question is, Shannon, why are you? And then the other thing I wanted to mention that was out of this post, he said, to be clear, I'm not here to tell you what to think or whom to hate. Like everyone else, you're free to pick your devils, choose your angels, and attach the horns and halos accordingly. But the guts of your question, even without all the name-calling and acrimony, reveal the essence of what's broken in our country. You want to know how I can associate with someone you don't like? The short answer is, how can I not? How are we ever going to accomplish anything in this incredibly, incredibly divisive time if we associate only with people that we don't disagree with? And that's the part where I read that, and immediately that made so much sense to me. I wonder why more people don't think that way, and then I immediately reconciled with myself that that's exactly why people don't think that way, because it makes too much sense. Well, it's exactly the point we were making on, on an earlier DTMA, where we were talking about the ability to debate in this country is right. long gone. And it the crux of Micro's point is exactly what we talked about in that earlier episode where we started talking about, look, if you're just going to surround yourself with people who are going to parrot the same opinions that you have, or you're going to parrot the opinions of the people that you listen to and not listen to anyone else, give the other side of the story, then the opinions are going to be completely uninformed and they're going to be you know, half-baked and they're going to be kind of worthless in a sense because you don't really know the whole issue. And you're also probably not going to be very willing to discuss it because you don't know the entire issue. So all of that is kind of encapsulated by what Micro is talking about. Now, the thing that that we didn't really mention from you know there's a lot that's there and it's it's a great read too i mean if there's you know i would encourage you to read the stuff he writes because it really made a lot of sense as as you said now the thing about it though is he had a reason to go on these shows that was not a politically based reason he is trying to uh create jobs through his foundation i believe it is right yeah micro works yep so he's trying to create jobs in the country, and and he's trying to promote that and get that as much exposure as possible, and that's a great that's a great cause. I don't think anyone's gonna, you know, think that creating jobs is a bad thing. No, it's a pretty obviously a good thing. So if he's trying to create jobs, then that's great. And if he's trying to get as much exposure for the organization that he has that is trying to create those jobs, then that's all very well as well. And good, but he's trying to expose the message to as many people as possible. So the fact that people are then turning around saying, like, how could you get your message out there on this person's program because they're a terrible person? He's reaching more people. Why wouldn't he want to do that exactly as he said? Why wouldn't you want to go on there and get the conservative audience with Glenn Beck or go on Bill Maher's show and get more of a liberal point of view? You've got two different audiences in a lot of points. So it's just a logical thing, but people are criticizing him for it. And if you're starting to trying to do something as good as create jobs like he's doing, <laughs> I mean, the idea that you wouldn't take a donation from someone because of their politics is hilarious. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on. It, everyone's going to agree that creating jobs is good. So why wouldn't you want everyone's support? Well, it's it's kind of like I've said before. There are good people in every walk of life. And the fact that we are so easily willing to write off certain people because of their uh, politics or their religion or their origin or whatever else that says more about us than it does about them. Let's, let's be quite honest about it. I mean, it, does, it doesn't make us, uh, you know, better Republicans or better Democrats or better Christians or better Jews or better Catholics or whatever else, because we exclude other people. And I hear all the, all the time, 
and you and I've talked about this before, and I, I don't want to get too far down the road here, but we, we will talk a little bit about religion on this program. There are a lot of times where people will say things like something that I saw from a friend of mine who had joined a Facebook group called Every Time I Find Out a Cute Girl is Republican, My Heart Breaks or something like that. And, you know, that's fine. You're entitled to your political beliefs. I would never begrudge anybody their political beliefs. But why would you just automatically omit somebody who may be a really good person at heart just because you don't you don't agree with everything they say? And that goes back to the bigger point that we were making earlier in the program. We are so willing to just completely write off certain segments of our society because they don't make enough money or they don't come from the right place or they don't worship the right God or they don't vote for the right candidate. That's really alarming what we've turned into, you know? I got to say that that person that's starting the Facebook group every time a cute girl says she's a Republican, my heart breaks. You must be spending a lot of time staring out windows forlornly while like drinking late at night and listening to Radiohead <laughs> because that's a lot of people who are Republicans. That is not a small party in this country. Uh, no, not so much. <laughs> I mean, just saying. Um, so, I mean, that, you know. We've covered a lot of this territory before um, that, that is a big part of it, but there's another angle to it that I did want to bring up. But, I mean, we've covered the idea of putting labels on things to make things easy on ourselves. Sure. So oh, that person's a Republican, so no, I can't deal with them. You know, wouldn't you want to talk through some of this stuff and maybe understand where they're coming? No, not really. Okay, well, then that's, that's – you're not – we're not going to get anywhere. Um, one of the things, though, that really interested me is, is I read an article where it was talking about the dynamic of conversation and the way that the society has changed uh, the dynamic of conversation. And, you know, as you mentioned right off the top, we are more than willing to communicate with people, be it through some sort of portal, you know, be it a computer, be it a phone, whatever it might be. Right. You know, it could be freaking playing Xbox Live with them or something. <laughs> it, it could be, you know, we're chatting while we're, you know, banging home goals in FIFA. Who knows? But people seem to be a whole lot more willing to do something like that than it's like, hey, you want to meet up and grab a beer? And there's still plenty of people doing that as well. But you see my point. You know, It's a lot easier to just stay home these days. And the dynamics of conversation talking about the way that our societies you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years have all been based on social gatherings. And you know, when you get a bunch of people together, ideas are going to be exchanged. And that is something that's going to allow you to see this variety of viewpoints. And people were getting together because there wasn't the distraction level that there is in the society today with TV and, you know, Internet and all the other electronics. So if we're not going to get together and we're not going to exchange these ideas and you're not going to take in these other ideas because you're just sticking to the ideas that you've already decided are the ones for you or just ignoring them completely and being ignorant about stuff, which, you know, there are plenty of issues where I admit that I am not informed. And if I tried to have a discussion with someone about it, I would be doing a lot of listening to what they had to say because I really wouldn't have enough information to carry on my side of the conversation. But the fact that these conversations and gatherings aren't taking place nearly as much are reflected in the way that our society is becoming much more uh, tribal in a sense where it's like, hey, it's us against them. When it's like, no, 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 we're, we're all working towards the same thing here. But really, though, shouldn't you be doing more listening than talking anyway? I mean – that's why you have two ears and one mouth. Uh... No, but you know, you you <laughs> laugh, but yes, we should be listening a lot more. I agree completely. Instead, you know, we have a lot of us who it's like, hey, you know what? I just want to be the center of attention, and I really like hearing myself talk. And I'm just going to go ahead and keep spewing this stuff out of my mouth, even if I don't really know what I'm saying, because people are looking at me and paying me attention. 
I, I know that you weren't expecting me to go in this direction, but I, I will bring up one point since you mentioned it. We were talking earlier about all the Real Housewives shows that are out there. And, oh, yeah. Uh, not to take this completely off the rails, but that, too, has kind of become what our everyday lives are. There's so much manufactured drama on TV in so-called reality shows that it has bled over into real life. And same thing with you know cable news and everything else. There's all this manufactured drama, all this screaming, all this... My voice has to be louder than yours, whether I'm right or not. And that's also played a role in this. Well, I mean, you mentioned something like a housewife show. And I think that, you know, the, the examples that we see on television for us to aspire to are, you know, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's there is no disputing that those are at an all time low. Right. You've got a lot of people out there and you can find, I mean, heck, if you wanted to be the, the wild man or whatever, the guy with, you know, half his chicklets who keeps screaming all the time about getting hit by a skunk. Um, you know, if you want to be that guy, you could be that guy and you could watch his show and you can copy his moves and do all of that stuff. Or if you watch all the real housewives, then, you know, it's very possible that you think, Hey, I really think that I should have all this money and be taking a car service everywhere and have all this ridiculous jewelry and also be exceptionally catty and passive aggressive. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I don't think that that show teaches people to be, uh, you know, passive-aggressive and catty. I think that's a little more innate. Okay, well, it doesn't hurt the process. Let's put it that way. I better duck when I say that, too. Okay. That's probably <laughs> smart. We carry on. But you, you, you see what I'm getting at. I do. I absolutely you know, do. Conflict, you know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. If you know, Conflict is what gets people's attention. Oh, my God, hey, there's a fight on Real Housewives this week. I bet we're going to get more viewers. All that stuff is out there, and it's all the these messages that are easy. You know, it's they're easy to be entertained by because it's lowest common denominator kind of stuff. And really, I mean, if we had to boil it down, why do we not want to talk to people so much? Because that's going to take some effort. I've already pre-screened some of these other people. I already know <laughs> that it's going to be a pleasant conversation with them. I don't know what the conversation with Steve is going to be like because I don't know Steve yet. So it's easier for me to just say, you know what? I'm not going to make the effort and reach out to Steve. I'm going to talk to Brian because you know what? Brian and I already know each other, and I think he's a good dude, and I know that we already can have a nice conversation. And that's all well and good, but by not exploring, you're missing out. Yeah, and the bad thing is, too, it's it's kind of like high school reunions. And I, I say this having you know gone to one. You get at high school reunions and you think to yourself, well, you know, all this stuff is passed now, all, you know, all the stupid kids have grown up and it doesn't matter what money people make anymore or where they're from or anything like that. And you get there and you go in all excited and fired up and ready to see your friends and everybody falls back into the same stupid, tired clicks again. All the rich kids are hanging out together. All the kids from the other side of the tracks are hanging out together again. And then you have somebody like me who didn't subscribe to that crap in high school anyway, just kind of sitting there watching everybody and people come up to, coming up to me and saying, Go on, Brian. Go ahead and mingle. And I'm just like, I don't want to mingle with these people. I just, I don't. I, there's, there's nothing redeeming about these people if that's the, the first thing that they're willing to do is to automatically pass judgment on everybody else. Now, granted, I'll try it, but I'm not going to invest the same amount of effort with them as I will somebody who's a little more open-minded about things. And you know, maybe that's a flaw of mine. Who knows? Well, so how do we, how do we move forward from this? 
if we both think like, look, all right, this is going to be tough for us to really understand other ideas if we're not willing to talk to more people. But at the same time, you know, you high school example is, is obviously that's a little bit of a different deal. You have a history with all these people. Sure. You know, you can see something like that. And it's, it's a lot easier to just be like, uh, you know, I, I think I'm good. I did the high school thing a while back. And I don't really need to try to experience again now that everyone is swelled, as they said in Gross Point Blank, <laughs> which is a brilliant line, wasn't it? Yes, yes, uh, it was. So if if it's a situation where you know we have all these conveniences in front of us, it's possible to find messages that we've already sort of approved. You know, I've given my seal of approval to. I agree with this. I I already like this person. All these things going on out there. So then, what's really the motivation or the impetus to get us out of that? cycle and get us to the point where we're willing to share more ideas again, where we're willing to actually have a conversation with someone. Well, it's funny, you know, we bring up high school and, and, uh, I wanted to bring one other possibility to the table. I'm sure that most people remember when they were in high school, you know, they're standing there at the homecoming dance or whatever else. And they're looking at this girl over across the, across the room. And they really like this girl. They think she's cute and you know, all this other kind of stuff, but they'll never go ask her to dance because they're scared of being rejected. And I right. think there's still a lot of that in today's society, whether you're you know, 13, 23, 33, 43, whatever, you're scared of putting yourself out there and having and somebody shut you down. Yeah. Being judged. Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to. And if you're, if you're in a situation that's safe, then you know that, hey, this person's my friend. They're not going to judge me. And putting yourself out there is a scary thing. It's a very scary thing. And I mean, it's something that no matter what the current society would portray it as, I mean, we could always find a movie that's more or less going to be the same thing where it's a kid in high school who feels insecure about his situation and then something happens to change his social status and he has to do, you know what I mean? Like we've seen all seen stories with, with elements like that. And it, it's understandable, though. It's a scary thing when you put yourself out there to be judged. And the other side of it, too, is with the way that our media has started to be more instant reaction. True. That's basically a license to judge as quickly as possible. You know, if I were to evaluate myself right now, I mean, I, I'm nowhere near perfect. And I, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, nobody is really near perfect. But nope. the, the one thing I can say is at least I don't go out of my way to self-sabotage and limit my growth by hanging out in an echo chamber where I'm only surrounded by people with whom I agree or people who say things I like. And when when you look at yourself in a mirror every day, and I'm not saying this necessarily about you or me because I, I know how we think, but to, to those of us you know, out there who maybe I don't know as well or who I can't immediately just automatically say, well, I know this about this person. Think about that every day when you wake up and look in the mirror and then the last time you look in the mirror before you go to sleep every night. Think to yourself, am I doing what I need to do to help myself grow as a person? Am I, you know, surrounding myself with like thoughts and, you know, am I just part of a big group think session or group wank as I've heard some people say, or am I willing to actually subject myself to judgment? to constructive criticism, to non-constructive criticism, whatever else. And if you can't answer yes, that you're willing to put yourself out there, as much as you want to blame other people, you're part of the problem. I think it, though, I think part of it has to work the other way. True. You know, I think Fair you enough. have to be willing to accept other people coming to you and expressing their ideas and hearing them out and, you know, asking a few active listening type questions, to use a nice SAT <laughs> term. And, uh, you know, 
if if you're willing to listen to you know have this new person come in and say something and you're willing to just be like, okay you know that's that's your opinion I don't I may or may not agree with it but I've I've heard you out and you know we've interacted and and now I, I hear your point of view then it, it, you have to be willing to be on the under, other end of that it's not just the person that's willing to go out and be like look I'm willing to share ideas and put myself out there to be judged and and so on and so forth you have to be willing to listen as well and then you you, you talked about it earlier two ears one mouth. It's it's going to be you know sweeping the nation. I'm sure it'll be on T-shirts. <laughs> not not like two girls one cup, but close enough. Oh, thank God, no. <laughs> See, that's the thing too. There's there's a lot of one way conversation out there. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, a lot of uh, judgment, as as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's in sports television. It's in the Real Housewives. It's in political talk. It's in everything. And there's not enough two way conversation anymore. And until we master that skill. We're never going to be able to to advance as a people, as a nation, as whatever. But it's you know it's alarming just seeing the attitudes and again, not that I am uh, exempt from this at all. Sure. But it becomes very easy to just look at the flaws of others and think, you know what, that person's an idiot. You know, I can't <laughs> believe I you know I I can't believe that they agree with X, Y, and Z, and you know that's that's just such an ignorant viewpoint. Like I threw out the gay marriage thing. I you know I, it's something that I personally do not understand the opposition to. Uh, and there are plenty of people out there that do oppose it. And, you know, I, I'm willing to hear you out. I don't think that there's any way you're going to be changing my opinion. But if you have something to tell me about it, sure, go for it. And I have to be willing to throw that out there and listen to what the opposition is in order to hold up my end of the bargain on this. Now, the thing that, that just becomes so frustrating is you know, we've talked about all the other reasons why it's a problem. It becomes about winning the argument instead of actually exchanging ideas. Exactly. And that's that's exactly. a huge problem. Uh, and then on the other side of it too, you talked about judgment. You know, what do you what's this other person going to think after we have this conversation? And that's very hard to get away from. As much as it's easy to say, look, you, you know, just don't care about what people think. That's that's pretty much impossible. Yeah, you there's know, there's it's always very difficult. Yeah, there's always that little tug in the back of you somewhere that says, "Hey, look, I can, you know, convince myself all day long that the the whole, you know, uh Dr. Seuss quote about, you know, those those who those who uh matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter, whatever else, you know, all this stupid cliché fable stuff." And, you know, that's that's nice for a postcard or nice for, you know, <laughs> an inspirational quote in an email. But mm-hmm. the real world doesn't work that way. There's there's always going to be some sense of lack of surety among people. There's always going to be some little inner voice, you know, no matter how introverted, extroverted, whatever else you are, there's always going to be some kind of little tug somewhere saying, what if this person doesn't agree with me? What if this person doesn't like me anymore all of a sudden after what I say? And, you know, that's – it's tough. It's You have to be willing to put yourself out there, and a lot of people – just are not because it's easier to sit back and and uh, you know post on a message board or respond to you know a, a Facebook invite or to Skype with somebody or something like that and be insular. It, it doesn't take as much effort. I was just going to say it's just as easy for some people to just curl up into a turtle shell <laughs> and just do nothing. Hey, no, I you know you know exactly what I'm saying. I do, I do. It's going to be a lot easier for me to just keep to myself and stay home and watch this TV show and have a few beers and pass out. Than it is for me to go out and seek some new knowledge, and I mean, is is it really coming down to the fact that we're just that lazy? Uh, part of it, yes. I, I think that there's really think so. 
Yeah, there's there's laziness involved. Uh, there's you know it it takes gas, it takes effort, it takes money, it takes whatever else to go out and hang out with people. And people don't want to get up off the couch. They don't want to spend the you know ten dollars cover to go to a club or or whatever else. They just they'd rather stay at home and you know just talk on a cell phone or stare at a Facebook screen or tweet to somebody or whatever else. It's you know. Hmm. No, I. Yeah, this is not relating to exactly what we're talking about right now. Sure. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I see some of the stuff that people post on Facebook about what a bad day they've had or something like that. And I just end up reading it thinking, what do you expect to get out of this? Some fake pity from people? <laughs> Hope your day gets better. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. What are you really hoping to get out of this? Is this therapeutic for you that you've put yourself out there in some way? It, you know, it, we we have these two – we have all these completely competing ideas that we're, we're discussing. And there's this idea of oversharing stuff that means nothing, and we're not trying to share anything that's meaningful. Well, I mean think of it this way too. All we want to do is share you know, business cat pictures, and they're awesome. But Yes, they are. You know – Okay, we're gonna we're gonna really send fifteen business cat pictures back and forth amongst each other, or I'm gonna tweet my favorite or something like that. And then when it comes to a a, a political issue or a social issue or something like that, then it's you know I, I don't really I don't think discussing that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not appropriate conversation for. Mm. But gotta keep it neutral. How about that weather? <laughs> huh? Just rained here in San Diego. Lead story on the news. I uh, I do have to say one thing though. I, I saw this on Facebook, and I'm not going to put the person on blast who it is, and, and I, I don't know that you know them anyway. But I, I did see where somebody posted on Facebook their their birthday was like on a Thursday, and they posted mm. on Monday morning saying, "Hey everybody, it's my birthday week," and my first thought mm. was both middle fingers extended in a hurry. It's like I don't give a damn about your birthday week. You know, let let me know again when it's your birthday, and I don't remember to wish you happy birthday on Facebook until eleven fifty seven p.m. But until then, shut up about it. Wow, it's okay. All right. Well, you know, now that you're <laughs> celebrating for this week, maybe you should be staying off social media and you know celebrating. <laughs> Good point. It's like, Just a thought. Hey, I'm going to sit here on Facebook and beg for a bunch of likes until my actual time of passing through the birth canal arrives. I don't think i have actually posted anything on facebook <sighs> man it's been a minute it's like i'm gonna need something really good for me to post something on facebook which is why i keep shaking my head so much when i see people like had such a bad day got the wrong pumpkin spice latte it came with soy milk <laughs> instead of whole milk you know i don't know well i mean i i post stuff on facebook occasionally but nowhere near as much as, as a lot of people do and when i do it's usually Something sarcastic or something where I'm just completely marveling at the lack of clue of this generation. Like, for instance, when, uh, you know, the, I had the thing earlier about where Lou Reed died and a bunch of people thought it was Lou Bega. Stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, in the chat room, Jerry, you mentioned you guys are painting a pretty depressing picture of your generation. Maybe that's why we want to interact with each other so – because we, we all kind of see that things are not necessarily trending the way we'd like. Hashtag trending. Just saying. <laughs> well, uh, as, as you said so eloquently before uh, – I think this was a couple of nights ago. A, a Google Hangout will save us all. 
if a Google Hangout will save us all and social media really is the answer, then I'm all for it. You know, who knows? <laughs> Maybe we're all just going to vine each other back and forth and just six second increments of, of wisdom. That's all we have these days. Um, but, you know, I, I can't see that being the answer. Can you? You know, hey, we can all interact more readily through a computer screen. So that is how we're going to be exchanging more ideas. Mm, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, if you look at the history of television, you know, here's here's all of my journalism classes coming into play. You ready? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, you know what? There were the two competing theories about television creates a global village. Marshall McLuhan, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the television creates a global village, which is true. I mean, it does true. in some true, ways. Yeah. You know, that way, you know, kids that are in the in the deep south and kids in California are going to be seeing the same things on TV and seeing, you know, wearing a lot of the same clothes and things of that nature because they're all seeing the same stuff on television. And, and there's definitely validity to that. And then there was also the other competing idea at the time that television creates a vast wasteland because of all of the different reasons, you know, some of the same reasons that we've mentioned on this show today. Um, you know, you're getting away from human interaction. It's all going to be playing to the lowest common denominator. So that way it's going to try to reach a wider audience that way. You know, all of those things. And, and I think that both are completely true. Um, you know, and that was one of the, actually, I think that was one of the proudest moments of my collegiate life when, uh, on a midterm, the question was, which of these two ideals do you agree with more? And it was a complete cop-out kind of answer, but I said, both are completely correct in one show illustrates it. And I said, that shows jackass because you've got the kids that are out there running shopping carts into curbs and flying onto grassy (laughs) landing areas or into bushes or whatever it might be. Uh, so We've got the global village of kids trying to do that now, despite the disclaimer at the start of the show. And you got to say that it's creating a bit of a vast wasteland because there isn't a lot redeeming to it, even <laughs> if it is entertaining. Right? You didn't mention the Bat Fetcher 3000 trick either. No, I didn't mention the Bat Fetcher 3000, <laughs> although it's fantastic. So, you know, you, you've got all that stuff out there and you can look at the history of television and see these theories and say, all right, you know what, those those make a lot of sense. And you can apply them to new media in some ways, too, where you can say that, look, this new media is going to help us create a global village because it's going to allow us to share ideas that much faster. It's going to allow us to see things where it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. You're going to be able to see the same thing. You're going to be able to take in the same type of media. You're going to be able to share all these same experiences, so to speak. And at the same time, you could also point to the Internet and with the way that it's a huge time waster and people talk about you know, falling down a, a rabbit hole of two hours. I mean you've talked about it on the show. I've talked about it on the show. You could find any number of comedians that are talking about you know, you end up doing something on the Internet and then you think of – I think it was Aziz Ansari talking about you think of Joe Pesci and then two hours later you realize you've spent all this time researching Joe Pesci. <laughs> you know, and like why, why? Why did I do that? So I mean – as much as people talk about this technology can bring us closer together, it really seems like it's really just doing a better job driving us apart. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and a lot of people talk about how watching games wasn't as fun without Twitter. And, you know, we talk about sports on the other program all the time. But it's good because people can interact with each other instantly about the game they're watching. But then you see stuff like you see on uh, at Best Fan St. Louis where they, they take some of the worst Cardinal fan tweets where Colton Wong gets picked off first base and instantly you, you see people, you know, start calling him a chink and telling him to go kill himself and stuff like that. You know, is, is that really something that we should be proud of, that we can interact with, with each other that quickly if that's what we're going to resort to? No, but it, it, here's the thing. And if you're going to be interacting so much during a game, what do you have that's left to talk about at the water cooler tomorrow? We still have water broken, coolers? You know, <laughs> Thank you, Brian, for completely torpedoing <laughs> my point. At the 
office, I don't know, when you're prairie dogging your neighbor's cubicle. Does that help? I remember getting a handout while I was still working in an office about cubicle etiquette. You need to treat the space where you enter the cubicle as like it's a door and knock before entering. Do not prairie dog or poke your head over the side of one's cubicle. Man, that thing was incredible. I wish I still had it. Me too. Um, also incredible was like the 1946 guide of how to treat female employees that I had. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Women can be finicky. Make sure they get a lot of breaks. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> um, so the thing is, though, is look, if you're talking all this, uh, if you're talking about the game on Twitter and interacting with people on Facebook and all of these different social media sites while the game is going on, you don't have anything left to talk about the next day at the office. You know, you see you see our boy Steve, who we mentioned earlier, and he comes up, hey, man, how about that game? Wong got picked off to end it. Yeah, you know, it's like I said about 50 times already. He probably should have a one-way lead right there. Where is he going? You know, or whatever it might be. With that, Between all the social media sites, between the 24-hour sports networks, between all this, we've already used up a lot of our subject matter. In a lot of cases, we just don't have anything left to say. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I remember being in a in a kind of a professional setting. Uh, I guess it was about probably six, seven months ago. Actually, more than six, but more like seven or eight months ago. And being asked what I thought about the National League East, and I'm sitting there, you know, talking to people about National League East baseball. Whereas if I put that on Twitter, I would probably have 35 replies from people, with half of them being Braves fans who say everybody more else like in the NL National League East sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, the rest of them saying that because they're Dodger fans or, or, you know, Cardinal fans or whatever else. And they think the national league East is garbage. You know, it's, it's good. They fire off that tweet and finger guns to sell five. Yeah. (laughs) I've got to say though, it it was more rewarding to actually have instant gratification in person by having that conversation than by, you know, tweeting about it because frankly talking in 140 characters is fun, but it's also horribly limiting. Sure. Absolutely it is. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We've talked about Twitter being best as a news feed. You right, know? right. An aggregator, yeah. Just something where you can see headlines and be like, this happened, this happened, this happened. Oh, well, oh, this guy just rolled his ankle and he's on my fantasy team. So let me click this link and, uh, yep, now, now I need to go over and pick up a new wide receiver for this week or whatever it might be. And, that, and that's all well and good. But if we really think that we're going to be exchanging intelligent discourse in 140 characters, then, uh, <laughs> yikes. It's very simple. <laughs> get outside now. <laughs> Don't listen to us. Any- well, I guess listen to us. But once you get finished, Actually, listen yeah, to us. You can take us with you us. while you go somewhere. You can drive to wherever you're going. Then you can turn us off for a little while, go talk to a real person, and then listen to the rest of our conversation while you drive home. Yeah, see, there's there's the difference, though. I mean, like, for a situation like yours and mine, I mean, you're in California. I'm in South Carolina. We're on opposite coasts. But if you live five minutes from the person that you normally have a conversation with and you've seen them once in the last six weeks, you're part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> I, realized, I realized I did that. A friend of mine had a shoulder surgery a few weeks ago. I picked him up from the hospital as, you know, as I've had three shoulder surgeries myself. And sure. Spent a lot of time telling him what to expect and like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, you doing all right? And I'm checking in after the surgery and getting him out to lunch a couple times and all that. And then I didn't see him for a couple weeks. And then I realized we just emailed three times while he was back at work. <laughs> Wait, what did I just do? 
I literally live five minutes from the guy. I could walk to his place. So it's you. You started. I'm part of the problem. I apparently am <laughs> leading the problem, Brian. Uh, speaking of problems, there's something I want to talk about, and I, I, I want to intentionally limit our time talking about this because this could go forever. So I'm going to um, alert us at 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I'm, I'm not going to give us any longer than 10 minutes. If it takes less than 10 minutes, awesome, but I'm not going to give us any longer than 10 minutes on this. There's a story from the Metro Charlotte area where, as most of you know, I live. Where there's... Before we get into this, can I, can I address Jerry's comment in the chat room Please. real quick? Please, yes. Okay. Before we get into this, he said, how about two people sitting at the same table in a restaurant texting each other? What more? How are you supposed to talk crap about the third person sitting there? <laughs> Jerry, I don't think you took that into consideration. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't make fun of that person's Adam's apple or whatever else if you're... Yeah, you, I don't think he's learned anything from our depressing picture of our generation <laughs> that we've painted in this show. I, uh, <sighs> I, I don't really like getting into talking about God on this program or religion on this program because it brings up all different kinds of problems. However, I will ignore that, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I want to talk about this because there's, there are these mega churches all over the place and, and you've seen them, you know, these people where they have the pastor up there wearing a headset and he's up there in front of 7,500 people and, you know, he's a dynamic speaker and everything, but that's really where it stops. And there's a church around here where they have seven different campuses, and it's called a mega church. And the lead pastor of it, the, the story in the Charlotte Observer says, the pastor of a Charlotte church says his large home is a gift from God, which that's a whole other story, but we'll get into that sometime, maybe. Okay. Uh, it says he did not apologize for the 16,000 square foot home in an exclusive community in neighboring Union County, quote, my wife and I made a decision and we built a house. It's a big house and it's a beautiful house and we thank God for it, unquote. He, he, uh, the church that he oversees has 12,000 followers, which sounds On like... On Twitter? Yeah, I was going to say sounds more like he's talking about a Twitter account than a church. Mm. Um, he said, I've always tried to make this a church where you could be proud of your church. Now, this is the thing that I have a problem with. Hashtag so, hallelujah. <laughs> hashtag thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> The 19-acre property has a tax value of $1.6 million, although he paid 325000 for it. Hmm. So, first of all, actually, two things. One, which I don't really want to get into because it would take us longer than 10 minutes. Why in the world are churches uh, giving enough money to pastors when they're tax-exempt to where they can build these nice, ridiculous, extravagant houses and then call them gifts from God? But second, the more important thing, and I, I wanted to just get into this briefly. There was a lot of conversation, predictably, from his followers after they went public with all this. Mm -hmm. They were you know, going off and unleashing on the NBC affiliate that had the expose story on this, on the Charlotte Observer, on any other site that dare say anything negative about them, saying that that pastor was a hero because he had saved so many lives and everything and that they, they were you know, devoted to his his teachings, to his word and everything. Mm -hmm. So at what point, and maybe this is something that we probably shouldn't tackle too much, at what point do we look at ourselves and say that if we are willing to hold up an individual in the supposed house of God as being more important than God and saying that the pastor saved all these lives when all he did was write books and give sermons and stuff, 
At what point are we kind of missing the point? It seems like completely missing the point. I mean, look, I we've talked before. Uh, we've touched on religion. I'm not a very religious person in terms of an organized fashion. I mean, I I definitely think that there's, uh, you know, spirituality is, is all well and good. And whatever form you, you want to have it in your life, I think is great. Look, I'm not – and and very much when it comes to something like this, I am not here to – to dump on someone else's beliefs because that's something that's very personal. It brings a lot of good to a lot of people. Of course. So there are all of these positive aspects to it. So that's why, you know, I'm not here to, to, to say that anything, anyone's doing the wrong thing. Um, but the way I always viewed it as someone like a pastor is just the conduit, you know, God's conduit to you. If you're part of the congregation, so to speak, you know, he's, he's taking all of these teachings and the word of God and all of these things like that. And he's passing, you know, his, interpretations in some cases along to you so the idea that he's saving people is seemingly a short-sighted one even if he's eligible for god's discount on houses <laughs> wow <laughs> ed barnes ladies and gentlemen <laughs> just saying i just you know I, I, <laughs> he, he got he got 1.6 milli of land for 325,000. that's a good discount man. i uh, i do have to ask this one particular question though and again this this might draw some iron if it does it does but let's just be honest about this at what point is a really well-spoken pastor any greater on any higher calling than the motivational speaker that you went to at the holiday inn for your one day you know how to deal with difficult customers class they're they're both eloquent speakers they're both passing along a message that needs to be heard and they're both fairly effective at doing so at what point does one become better than the other? I don't know. I guess it all depends on like the starchiness of your collar. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Man. I don't. It doesn't. You know, we're all people. Sure. And again, I'm not a very religious person, so trying to get into the theology of, of any argument would be pointless for me because anyone who wanted to actually bring <laughs> any scripture or anything like that back to me would just be like, "Yeah, you're probably right." I don't know. I'm not really familiar with it. So. It just – it all seems like that takes away from the, the general idea that, look, that we're all – I mean, isn't the general idea that we're all God's creatures in, in, in the specter of religion? In the very little I understand of it, isn't that the general idea that we're all God's creatures? Uh, that's that's the idea, and the thing that, that kind of sours me a lot on organized religion in, in a lot of instances is you have certain religions, and I'm not going to name them. Again, I'm kind of like you. You have certain religions that say, well, you know, my way is the only way to heaven. Or my way is, you know, the way in the light and your way, you don't believe the same way I do. So you're not guaranteed to go to heaven and such and such. Well, you know, I don't remember reading the thing about, you know, for God so loved the world except for the gays and the Presbyterians and, you know, all this other stuff. You know, the, the whole thing that we were taught in school from as long as I can remember is, you know, for God so loved the world, period. That's the way I remember hearing it, and you know maybe they're teaching it differently now. I don't know. Maybe maybe they are saying, "For God so loved the world, except the Republicans and whatever else." Who knows? But so I guess Asia and the Middle East just have no way into heaven, uh, apparently. And okay, uh, all right, well, so we've got that knocked out, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, I, got, I had something so wrong to say that I'm gonna. I'm actually just going to not say. It. I, I'm probably right there with you, so I'm. I'm just going to. No, I'm just be. like. I guess that explains the suicide bombings. Um, oh. So anyway, <laughs> no, I'm. I'm totally kidding, and I'm. I know. Wrong time to be flippant, but. Sure. You know. 
the thing that that really scares me is that one of the best lines I ever heard about religion came from Fletch too, and that freaks me out for <laughs> wow. so many reasons. Um, <laughs> but when he said, "I believe in a God that doesn't require heavy financing," um, it really struck a chord with me. <laughs> you know, I, I I I understand the idea of of giving for a common goal or giving to a common good. Sure. Um, but again, the question you raised before about that pastor pocketing so much money that he's able to, you know, buy a crazy huge mansion. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a pretty big question. That's a pretty big, wait a second, uh, what's going on here? The other thing I would ask, too, and again, we're, we're not trying to be flippant about this. We're just asking honest questions. I, I recall being in Fayetteville, North Carolina, of all places, and I'm walking out of a store, and some guy comes up to me and says, do you have a church in the area? And my first thought was, well, no, I'm not that rich. I didn't say that. But uh, I, was, I was just like, you know, no, no, I'm not from here. You know, I'm, I'm just visiting and such and such. And he's like, well, I'd like you to, to consider coming to my church and blah, blah, blah. And he hands me this flyer. And my first thought, sure, it's, it's cynical, but it's an honest question. At what point does God need a marketing staff? <laughs> do, do you have an answer for that one? Again, I'm not trying to be flippant or sarcastic. It's an honest question. Why in the world if... Your religion is so much better than somebody else's, allegedly. Or if your religion is the sure path to heaven, or your religion, you know, is so inclusive, why do you have to go out and hustle people to come to it? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, if you're Mormon, maybe it's you need a better football team. Uh, nice. Um, well played. All the caffeine-free Diet Coke you can drink. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's something I guess they don't really need to worry about when it comes to like nutrition of the players at BYU, <laughs> right? Um, you're not sleeping well because you're drinking caffeine. Oh, you're just out of school, actually. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I totally understand what you're talking about. I mean, the idea it, it's a very weird thing when you think about Christianity and Catholicism and the way that the, they are very aggressive recruiters. Um, you know, I don't think that the uh, the uh, religious equivalent of the NBA is doing anything to limit their texting <laughs> or phone call times or social media interaction with any potential new recruits to their religion um, at all. And then you look at other religions and you pretty much just are that or not, uh, like thinking about Judaism. You know, what's the last time that someone came up to be like, hey, man, you ever thought about being Jewish? I don't think that's ever happened, has it? No, not so much. I mean, most of the times I've seen people convert. Uh, most people are born into the religion or raised in the religion. Most times when sure. I've seen people convert, it's been because they've gotten into a relationship with somebody where... A lot of times know, marriage. Yeah, and, and those people believe strongly in that faith. And that person's like, well, I, I love this person enough to where I'm willing to follow the same teachings that they do. And that's really, let's just put it out there. That's admirable. That takes a lot of guts because you're going against what you know, what you believe, what you came up with. You know, and you're going into somebody else's faith, and it may be completely blind. That takes a hell of a lot of guts. Is it something I do? I don't know, but I have to admire the guts of those who would. Yeah, and if that means that you can't roll on Saturdays because it's Shomer Shabbos, then so be it, right? <laughs> something Sorry, like that. Big Lebowski something something. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you know, I mean, but religion is such a weird issue, and I mean, even in a religious context, the need for open dialogue seems like it's even greater. I mean, I was, these are big yeah. questions we're dealing with here. I mean, the, the big question on our show is nothing compared to the questions that religion is trying to deal with. I mean, if you take the Bible, these are supposed to be like the biggest questions of lives. Like, why are we here? What's our purpose? What do we do? How do we treat other people? You know, all these other things that are 
just hugely impactful for our day-to-day lives, right? Exactly. So being able to discuss it with other people who have other viewpoints can only help you understand life even more, right? How much religious discussion is going on where it's an interfaith discussion between you know, someone who is Jewish and someone who is Catholic? How not, often is that really going on? Not exactly. So I mean, it's. It, I mean, you could put it at almost every level of society. You could. I mean, anywhere from the you know lowest common denominator of you know sports fans or you know someone getting uh, the movie fanboys being upset that Ben <laughs> Affleck's a freaking Batman. <laughs> or you could take it as to a much higher level where it's like, look, you know, is there any chance that this person who's a Hindu and this person who's a Methodist is can have a conversation about what they believe and try to find some common ground and maybe based on the common ground on some of their religious beliefs form you know a basis for uh, understanding in our society in the modern oh okay well we just already got off the rails i can see that's not gonna work <laughs> well as we uh, as we approach the 10 minute mark let me let me close by saying this and i think this is probably something where we're both on the same page when, when we're, whether we're talking about you know human interaction or whether we're talking about religion, whatever else, you could add the same context to it. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're talking about human interaction, electronic devices are supposed to be a supplement to communication, not the lifeblood of communication. I would argue that religion, whatever your book may be, should be the supplement, the guidelines by which you live, not the end-all, be-all. And that's, that's where we all get twisted. Uh, oh, I think that's a very good way to end it, actually. I was just more kind of curious what the bell was going to be on this one. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have one. But oh, really? Now that you, okay. now that you mention it, um, since, since we're talking about religion, we might as well go with another religion to, uh, to end this. Roll time, baby! Roll time! <laughs> <laughs> There's your bell. If Fair you enough. like it, religion in the state of Alabama. <laughs> Close enough, right? Yeah, uh, more on that, by the way, on, on Sports Matters. Here along these same channels. Um, we've, we've gotten a little heavy in the program, so I want to lighten it up a little bit before we Please. move on. Uh, it's, it's a good time to do that, so let's, uh, let's certainly do so. I want to start with something that you sent me before. A bridegroom has been jailed for 12 months after staging a bomb hoax on his wedding day to try to prevent his bride discovering he had failed to complete the paperwork required for them to marry. Mm. Not getting off to the best start of the marriage, huh, Brian? <laughs> yeah, not so much. Stay no. tuned on midday. We'll tell you how, how we can correct that marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Communicating with your spouse. I just love those segments. They're the best. Want to learn how to talk to your wife better? Stay tuned. Uh, Neil, <laughs> Try Ma- doing it more. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's the other thing, too. As if I wanted, if I couldn't, you know, I had a point, and, of course, I forgot it before we went into the funny part. But has anyone ever gotten dumber from learning more? <laughs> no i don't know dexter manley have they <laughs> fair enough but look, <laughs> you, you see my point like look you're not going to get any dumber or more ignorant by learning more viewpoints okay people <laughs> trying to learn is good and now i need to write that down because i'll use that on somebody later um trying to learn is good <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh neil mcardle 36 had forgotten to fill in the necessary forms, but could not face telling his fiancée, Amy Williams, because the wedding was, quote, all she talked about, unquote, the Liverpool Crown Court heard. Hmm. We need a Crown Court here, perfectly no. with powdered white wigs. 
you know, I, I just we talked a lot about judging and how that can be a deterrent to putting yourself out there. Sure. I don't think it augurs well for your marriage if you are so scared of being judged harshly for a mistake <laughs> you made by your future wife that you call in a bomb threat to your own wedding. <laughs> oh, boy. Um also, does he not know you could just, you know, like go through with it and then complete the paperwork later as if you had a destination wedding? <laughs> like all those people who get married in freaking, you know, whatever island in the Bahamas or something, they don't actually, they're not married yet. They still have to go down to the courthouse in whatever city they live in and get that all taken care of. <laughs> so it's not like, well, come on, you know, it's okay. So it wasn't official. You could, couldn't you just get around that? So if she's done her part and you haven't done yours, couldn't you just go through with the ceremony and then rush down to the courthouse one day and be like, "Hey, it's, we're we're done." So what course, you're saying is, England, so I don't know. The the last words before he did this weren't bollocks. I didn't respond to the evite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead, as she got ready on their wedding morning, he slipped out of their house and went to a phone box. I'm I'm all of a sudden thinking Doctor Who here. Uh, disguising his voice, he rang Liverpool's register office and said, "Quote." This is not a hoax call. There's a bomb in St. George's Hall, and it will go off in 45 minutes, unquote. <laughs> um, wow. That's bad. Have, I was more. I, I was actually more excited to learn that they still had payphones. <laughs> so that's cool. That's so quaint. Well, you thought that was bad. This is worse. The call came 11 days after the Boston Marathon bombing in the U.S., Oh, oh, no, no. So, see, it's all about timing, and that was not good timing. <laughs> no word on whether or not he had Tessie playing in the background as he placed the call. Oh, um, man. Caused the building to be evacuated, and the emergency services called. When McArdle, his bride, and both families arrived at the building in the center of Liverpool, the area swarmed with police. Oh, boy. Um, police quickly traced the call. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Sorry. Let me, let me, uh, let me include this. McArdle's would-be in-laws were already suspicious, the court heard, and William's sister was overheard telling a flustered McArdle, quote, you probably done the bomb scare yourself, unquote. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> She's not from you Alabama, know? is she? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just hope that they got a lovely wedding gift of handcuffs out of the whole deal. <laughs> Can I keep these? I'm, th I'm thinking of Buddy Lee Phelps, you probably done the bomb scare yourself. Uh, <laughs> Police quickly traced the call and he was arrested the same day. He admitted to his, quote, embarrassment and shame, unquote, that he had panicked over bungling the forms and staged the bomb scare, although probably not nearly as embarrassed and shamed as he was that he had, had to admit he watched Piers Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Williams, the wife now, has stood by the defendant, the court heard, and they are still together. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. I, I just picture any... <laughs> Do you think she still lives in fear of him calling in bomb threats to things, or <laughs> does she just never believe any excuse he ever has? See, that's what he's going to start using to get out of the conversation with the mo with the mother-in-law. Oh, let's go call in a bomb threat. Yeah. All of a sudden, he just starts leaving like the anarchist cookbook around on coffee table <laughs> or something. Man, I really don't want to go over to your mom's this weekend. So, uh, could, could you say that they had an explosive relationship? Is that is that too much... <laughs> Oh, wow. We went there, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. Okay. All right. Well, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he tried to tell Williams that he'd done this, <laughs> but she got up at 4 a.m. on the day and put on her wedding gown. Quote, she looked amazing. He could just not get out the words to tell her what he had done in relation to the forms, unquote, <laughs> said his attorney. <laughs> hmm. 
You know, <laughs> I gotta say that I am no expert on ladies. Okay? Who is? We we have talked before. We we talked earlier today. I think, in fact, that you know, sometimes you know, if you're a guy, it is very hard to understand women and where they are coming from. I can tell you though that women are excellent problem solvers when they're faced with a, a crisis where it's preventing them from getting something that they want. <laughs> That's not restrictive to women. It's really anyone. But if you're going to prevent someone from getting something that they want, it's amazing how resourceful people can be. <laughs> now, if you love this woman enough to marry her in the first place, I would think that you would want to give her the chance to figure out a way to make this work. Uh, yeah, you'd think. I mean, especially after they went through all the hassle of trying to pay for the gown and everything else. It's like, yeah, um, I know this is the most important day of your life, but I'm going to go ahead and, to borrow a British phrase, go ahead and cock it all up. Yeah, I got a well, you know, maybe maybe Liverpool was playing a big footy match or something <laughs> on the telly or whatever it is they do over there. I don't know. Maybe maybe you could have tried to get the wedding moved to a soccer game and that would have gotten it called off. I don't know. See, I'm I'm now thinking, you know, like all these people who who write into Clay Travis all the time who talk about, you know, how they're they're invited to a wedding that happens during the Tennessee Alabama weekend or whatever else and they're trying to find a way to get out of it. I'm kind of wondering if maybe they uh, we're scheduled to have a wedding on the same day that, you know, Liverpool played like, uh, you know, Man U. Uh, yeah, Man U or Stoke or something like that. Yeah. Um, how do I get out of this? Oh, I'll just call uh, him Bob. If, if it were a marriage on the day they played Stoke, people would just be like, we'll go. That's <laughs> just like I would think the Tennessee fan would just be like, yeah, I'll totally go to that wedding. Sounds great. Especially after what happened last week. Right. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. More. They know that they're going to get their head caved in by Alabama's. <laughs> uh, at the at the. Expense of making a terrible segue, I will freely admit this. Um, do we want to go with the good news part of the segue first or the bad news part of the segue first? Um, good news. Okay. Um, as you know or may not know, today is National Cat Day. I did not know that. Today is National Cat Day, and you and I are both mm. owners of rescue cats. And so yep. I wanted to share this with you. The site Uber is, or was today, delivering kittens on demand in the cities where they had, you know, Uber sites available. Between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m., you could request the kittens option. And it says here, if the furry friends are available, you and your buds will enjoy 15 minutes of snuggles and cupcakes made by the famous ace of cakes, Duff Goldman and his team at Charm City Bakery. Uh, it's only twenty dollars to snuggle with kittens for fifteen minutes, enjoy cupcakes for the from the famous Ace of Cakes while supplies last, and receive an uberific cat pack, and all of the money is donated to the city's local shelter. Okay, well, I mean that's all very well and good. Uh, does part of your cat pack include like the band aids for when the kittens <laughs> that are unfamiliar with you just swipe right at you? <laughs> You know what? I don't like the way you smell. I'm going to cut you open. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time a kitten's thought that. <laughs> it says here, um, on National Cat Day, Uber kittens will be available for on-demand snuggles. Uh, it seems like if you're going to have on-demand snuggles, you'd want to have something other than a cat. I mean, I love cats, but just saying. Uh, demand for kittens will be very high and availability very limited. It may take multiple tries to find available kittens. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds funny enough. Uh, you know, I think it was two episodes ago, 
uh, that we talked about a business that's probably very upset by this development. Uh, and even yeah. though it's National Cat Day, I think that the people who own and operate the snuggery are probably very upset about what's been going on here. <laughs> Do they have a message on the phone? It's like, we're sorry. All of the available kittens are away right now. Please call back later. <laughs> the cat snuggery, yes. Um <laughs> It also is amusing that you're paying $20 for 15 minutes with a cat when you could actually have a cat of your own for whatever the vet, uh, you know, whatever the vaccination fees and whatnot are at your local shelter. Yeah, I mean, that would seem to make sense. But then again, there are people who, again, are so lazy and, you know, so narcissistic that instead of having to care for a cat, they'll just get one delivered and snuggle with it for 15 minutes and they, they can turn it over to somebody else. It's kind of like these people where... You know, they're, they're the, uh, the dinks, the dual income, no kids people. And they're like, oh, we don't want kids. We'll just take other people's kids and spoil them and then give them back to them. We'll load them up with sugar and then they'll have to take care of them. That's terrible. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. That's but really terrible. Th then again, there are two types of people who do that. There's the dink crowd and there's grandparents. I was going to say, that's like you're stealing grandparents' hacks. <laughs> I'm surprised that the grandparents haven't gotten like a lobbying group to try to you know, shout you people down. Now, the other thing that I was going to say was uh, I didn't really realize that it applied to cats too where you'd be paying them to leave. <laughs> so really you would have a cat house in that case. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> See, See what I'm saying? The bad thing is, though, the first thing that went through my mind is when you started talking about the grandparents rising up in revolt, the first thing that, that crossed my mind was them marching on City Hall, waving their fists, going, they took our jobs. <laughs> That's, hey, they would be taking jobs, spoiling kids, and then dropping them back at the parents' house, hopped up on, you know, Mountain Dew and, you know. Oreo cream filling or something or whatever the heck it is with like 17 new toys, all of which just make <laughs> tons of noise. Because that's really the key. If you're a grandparent, buying the toys that make the noise is absolutely part of being a grandparent, it seems like. Now for the bad part of the segue. Oh, no. A uh, Davie, Florida man remained in the Broward County Jail Monday night accused of attacking his girlfriend with her cat, court record showed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How, how did he pull this one off? Uh, Kenneth Stewart, 41, is charged with battery, resisting arrest, and tormenting an animal, according to jail records. Uh, Stewart was arrested Thursday following an argument with his girlfriend during the dispute. Broward Judge John J. Hurley noted that Stewart allegedly injured the woman with her own pet. Quote, She was lying on the bed and you entered the bedroom holding something in your hand head high, and she said you were yelling at her, Look, it's going to die. It's got no air. And at that point, you threw the cat in her face, unquote. The judge read from the arrest report. Well, yeah, if you spook the cat enough, they're going to respond, even if they really love you, um, as evidenced by the fact that uh, when the, one of my cats stepped into quite a mess the other day and I had to give it an impromptu bath, <laughs> it turned around and dug its nails right into my chest. Yeah, cats don't like water. Nice little cut. No, they don't. Uh, <laughs> although it's interesting that one of my cats actually will hop up on the tub while I'm showering in between the shower curtain and the liner. Like every time someone showers, the cat hops up there and is like walking back and forth and checking it out. It's, it's kind of interesting. But I'm just saying if my cat who, you know, we seem to get along great. He came and woke me up this morning. You know, by, like, licking my face and stuff. I mean, you know, the cat seems to like me a great deal. Yet, when I put it around water, 
its first response is to try to claw me and let it, you know, get me to let it go. All right. So if it's you, no matter what you're doing, I mean, that's just messed up, though. You're using your own. I didn't do it. The cat did. <laughs> the cat did it. That's Not that's always. Fault. Yeah, that's always the the right answer. The cat did it. <laughs> that's. It's, yeah. It's used for two things, making people angry and farting pretty much. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Speaking of uh, morons. Dare I uh, I share this one? I'm almost scared to do so, actually. A couple in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, were arrested Sunday night after police learned they fought and the man brandished a machete after the woman was upset because the door was locked when she got home and the man was upset because she repeatedly knocked on the door, according to a police report. <laughs> now, get Excuse this. Excuse me? Can I come into my own home, please? No. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> you thought that was bad. A neighbor also brandished a machete. What the hell kind of place do these people live in? It's like, yeah, you get a machete. You get a machete. You get a machete. <laughs> they live in the Amazon, Brian. <laughs> I was going to say, they're either chopping down brush or they're stabbing each other, one of the two. There you go. Uh, let's see. Stephanie Trout's 40 and Gary Andrew Trout. See, maybe that's it. Maybe they were using the uh, the knives to fillet each other. That's exactly what it was. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> Are you sure they weren't just really big romancing the stone fans? <laughs> that too. Nicely played. <laughs> <laughs> they were each charged with criminal domestic violence, which is never funny except when we make fun of people. Right. Uh, police learned from Stephanie Trout that she had arrived from her, from her parents' house and had to, quote, beat on the door for several minutes to get someone to let her in, unquote, according to the report. Once inside, she said Gary Trout confronted her because he was upset about the noise she caused while knocking on the door. <laughs> Uh, stupid arguments. Uh, Stephanie Trout said Gary Trout followed her. They argued, and he grabbed her and choked her until she was close to passing out, according okay. to the report. Uh, all right. So we have choking. We have machetes. It's all good. Machetes were funny, and then you find out about the choking. It's like, mm, I don't know. Well, it gets it gets a little better. She said he grabbed oh the machete and threatened to kill everyone in sight. Oh, boy. <laughs> was her cat in sight? Did the cat attack the guy? Uh, oh, actually, okay. yeah, it's a different story. She didn't have the cat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I don't think I have anything bigger than a kitchen knife, nor do I feel like there is a need to. Yeah, I was going to say, why, I, I guess I don't understand. I mean, there are some people where they have these big, huge knives in their house, and some people are, are hunters, I guess I get that, but... Why would you want to just have something like that just chilling around? It's like, yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't intend to use this thing, but in case I get pissed off enough at my boyfriend or whatever, I'll just go ahead and whip it out. <laughs> what? Yeah, that doesn't really fly, does it? Uh, no, not so much. No, it doesn't. Uh, but I mean, you know, we, we've got plenty of idiots to talk about today. I mean, some of the biggest idiots that we're going to talk about don't even require an arrest. <laughs> Very true. Um. There's one I want to get to before some of the other stuff that we had, though, because uh, this is one that, that Buddy Lee Phillips wants to read. So mm -hmm. we, we have to let him appear on the program. It's been a while since we've heard from him. So, ladies and gentlemen, Buddy Lee Phillips. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dateline, uh, Tifton, Georgia. So my people. Uh, a South Georgia businessman's being called the Rattlesnake Wrangler after using his tractor to kill a five-foot diamondback. Oh, man. 
That's a so wow. That's okay. badass right there. Yeah. Uh, um, is Craig Council okay or? I'm sorry. He he wasn't holding the thing over his head while he was trying to swing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Lee Fletcher, part owner of Chula Peanut and Grain Company near Tifton, was doing some work on his tractor when he spotted the snake on the ground October 19th. He uh, he said he used a bucket on the front of the tractor to pin it down and kill it. Uh, who the hell is a bucket on the front of their tractor? That's that's a man I want to meet right there. Apparently that guy. The, uh, the Tifton Gazette reports that a sign now hangs in the small community. Welcome to Chula, home of the rattlesnake wrangler Lee Fletcher. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Mr. Lee Phillips, could you tell me, is the bucket on the front of the tractor for, like, the boot and rally move if you're drunk driving your tractor like that one guy on YouTube? Uh, that's part of it. Uh, another use for it is uh, bringing home your date if you won't fit on the seat next to you. Oh, well, that's very handy. The only problem is you got to watch out because when she sits down, she might tip the tractor over in the front. Right. Yes. That's, that's a, smart. That's never a good thing. Nope. But uh, I, I, I kind of regress or progress or whatever the hell that word is. Uh, uh, let me also say, I, I don't think this is no real uh, rattlesnake wrangler, because everybody knows if you're going to be a real rattlesnake wrangler in the South, you got to have three names. This man's only got two. Mm, that's a good point. Was yeah. he wearing wranglers while this happened? Is uh, that where he sure, came from? I sure hope so. I mean, it's, is he a quarterback? It's kind of the uniform of the South, you know, wranglers oh, okay. and, and a, and a button-down shirt. Yeah, no, I you know I still find it odd. Drew Brees is doing the Wrangler commercials. Drew Brees. Yeah. Who the hell does he play for? If, if he don't play for the Falcons, I don't know who he is. Oh, all right. Well, then, yeah, he plays for New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, bunch of damn hippie liberal. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. Uh, Fletcher said one of the uh, workers at Chula Peanut and Grain Company skinned the snake and plans to make a belt out of it. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. If you're if you're gonna kill, recycle. Man, you know, I made a romancing the stone joke a while ago, but all of a sudden it seems funnier now. Like he has his boots at the end from the from the gator. You probably never saw that movie, did you, buddy? Uh, uh, no, uh, unless it came out on Betamax, I ain't seen it. I might have, but I you know I'm not aware of it. I don't think you could find it anymore on Betamax. I, I got a Betamax machine for twenty nine dollars at Goodwill, and you wouldn't believe how many movies I've seen on that thing. Oh wow, well, that's that sounds great. Oh, well, I mean, that was of course until I shot my TV, but that's a whole other story. Well, sometimes you have to. Yeah, I mean, how else are people going to know I'm, I'm pissed off at them, especially my wife? You know, right? If I don't fire a shot into the TV, she ain't gonna know. She ain't gonna stop Absolutely. reacting. That's true. Yeah, yeah you got to lay down the law. And you know, I can't, I can't slap her around. I can't shoot at her because that's a felony. So I got to shoot at the TV. I know the liberals been changing the laws around. You know it. A bunch of damn kids out in the front yard kicking soccer balls and stuff. Burp. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got the police at my door, so I got to run the hell out the back door. So uh, great talking to you, and I'm out here. <laughs> All right, buddy. You have a good one. <laughs> buddy Lee Phillips, everybody. Buddy Lee Phillips is the best. <laughs> run from the cops live on the air. Mm. Well, you I know, love it. I don't know if all of his firearms are registered. <laughs> I don't know if anything about him is registered. That's a good point. Except for maybe the, the sex offender status, who knows. Um, right. Dateline uh, Myrtle Beach again, and then we'll we'll go back to some of these other things. A, uh, a Myrtle Beach woman was charged with assault after another woman who was working as a shot girl at Broadway at the Beach Entertainment Center reported she was attacked while selling drinks, but she didn't spill any of the drinks during the incident, according to a police report. Very important. I mean, that's really <laughs> what everyone 
in management at the bar is much more concerned with, did you spill the drinks? <laughs> and then the next question is, are you okay? <laughs> Look, it's all about margins here in the restaurant business. It's a tough business, and you need to be able to try to make all those things work. <laughs> you can't charge $17 a shot for spilled metallic barrel whiskey. No, you can't. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that people have tried, but I don't think that, yeah, you really can't. The the hottest thing, too, about the shot girls is when they walk up to you with the, the little tray with the little glowing neon things on it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I love the little test tube things. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's got the, the it's like the little test tube with the shot in it of glowing liquid or something. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, while I'm going ahead and poisoning my liver for the evening, let's go ahead and put some food coloring in there too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see what excuses this person would have had, but we'll we'll talk about those in a minute. Uh, Maria Cristina Antunez, 38, of Myrtle Beach, was charged with third degree assault and battery after officers were called about 1 a.m. Saturday to Celebrity Circle. Police said. Officers learned from a 23-year-old victim that she was employed as a shot girl and was about to sell a shot to a man, according to the report. The victim said Antunez walked up and asked what was going on and told the victim that the man was her boyfriend and he would not be buying a shot from her. The uh, victim said she replied okay to Antunez, who continued to talk about their looks. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Hashtag uh, confusing women. Uh, the victim said she told Antunez she was old, and Antunez attacked her. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag old bitch, uh, according to the report. <laughs> so, yeah, I just uh, I more keep picturing Cartman just screaming, whatever, whatever. I, I do, do what, what I, I want. want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really... Security grabbed Antunez and the victim and took them to their office. And uh, before we continue, let me go ahead and share the uh, the mug with you, and I'll continue with the remainder of the story. Oh, no. <laughs> scared right now always am oh <laughs> she is old yeah uh, man so uh, she has this like resigned look that she knows that she's really done something wrong in her leopard print uh top <laughs> i was gonna say she's done a lot of things wrong not, not just what happened that night uh that's true okay that's 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 true uh she's she's one of those where if you tried to trade her in you'd have to roll back the odometer first wow just just saying wow Brian, um, did you like, stay up and write for this story? Or... <laughs> no, I employed a team of writers. I'm oh, too good. lazy to do that. Uh, <laughs> a uh, surveillance video showed the victim speaking to Antunez, and as the victim tried to walk away, Antunez grabbed her by the hair and started punching her in the face several times, according to the report. The victim held the shot tray, which, this is impressive, had 10 to 20 shots on it away from her body and never spilled any of the shots, the officer wrote in the report. Oh, she's got quite a chin on her. I'll give her that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I just – first of all, I, I, if you're a shot girl and you don't know if you had 10 or 20 shots, <laughs> you got to keep an eye on your inventory. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, no. You have to keep track of uh, you know your stash over there. You can't just let that roll. Exactly. You can't just be like, look, I might have 10, maybe 15 left. Again, all about margins here in the restaurant industry. That's not going to fly. Yeah, I, I would also say a uh, nice night at the club for Bald Bull. <laughs> but I digress. So, so I just want to make sure that I understand this correctly. Yes. So our, our old woman River here, who was eventually arrested, <laughs> since we're just crushing her at this point, why stop now? Deservedly so. So her boy, boyfriend was buying a shot from the girl whose job it is to sell shots 
and Old Woman River came over and said, you're not selling my boyfriend a shot. And then she got called ugly, and then it was like Jerry Chance over and over again with a bell in the background. Yeah, it's it's time to throw at that point. It's, oh. It's, it's go time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... That's pretty much what happened, and uh, you know, since since you mentioned it, uh, and and we need to completely set the scene, we we might as well just go ahead and set the scene all the way. So since since you mentioned it, that's the thing. It's, you know, I can picture half the bar thinking someone should break that up, and the other bar thinking no one break that up. I want to see this keep going. <laughs> There's some dude sitting back there with a cell phone going, "Don't you dare break this up! I'm rolling video on yeah. this. This is going on YouTube tonight. I'm getting some likes out of this one." Or maybe there's a. I'm gonna uh, put this up there with my other videos, like that brawl at Denny's. <laughs> maybe there's a film student back there who's gonna edit it and you know add some sepia tones and put it on Vimeo too. I'm gonna turn my camera in the middle of it. I'll be using these great Dutch angles. <laughs> yeah. Um, as as we uh, as we close the program here, there was something that thankfully you didn't let me forget because I wanted to talk about this. And of course, those of you on the live side, if you want to hear sports, there's plenty of that coming, but career builder has come out with their annual study on why we call in sick. Now I'm not saying that any of these things are things that you and I have used because we are of course responsible adults and we would never mm. do anything like this, but they, right. they came out with a press release about this. And since we're media people, we have to share that with you. Uh, Dateline Chicago. Have you ever had one of those days where your false teeth fly out the window on the highway, your doors and windows are all glued shut, or a swarm of bees keeps you from getting in your car? While most employees use sick days to recover from an illness, some employers have heard much more memorable excuses. And boy, this is shocking. In the past year, nearly one-third, or 32%, of workers have called in sick when not actually ill. What? I mean, next you're going to tell us that government people lie to us. I mean, that never happens. Wait a minute, government. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad the show's almost over. I'm going to have to just regroup here in a little bit. On the uh, on the flip side, 30% of employees say they've gone to work despite actually being sick in order to save their sick days for when they're not sick. <laughs> um, oh, man. You know, look, it all depends on your job, whether or not you need to go in when you're sick. Sure. When I was doing Padre games... It wasn't one of those situations where I could just call and be like, you know what? Got a bit of a fever today, and, uh, you know, I just can't make it on the plane to go to Pittsburgh for these games. So, <laughs> you have to fill in for the road trip. You know, it's not, it wasn't that simple. Um, so I've worked when I've been ill plenty of times, especially thanks to all my sweet sinus issues, uh, which were not helped by the recycled air of planes, hotels, and TV trucks. Uh, not to mention drastic changes in temperature and climate and all of those other fun things that come with travel. So I have plenty of experience being at work while really sick. Uh, and thankfully, I haven't been in too many positions where I've had to worry about how my sick days were actually going to be used. But the idea that you would go and infect your entire office because you want to be able to make sure that you can call in so you can spend that day like getting ripped and playing Xbox. Um, <laughs> that's messed up, man. All right, Doug Betson, that's enough of that. But I'm just, you know what I'm saying though? It's like, I guarantee you that these people are saving sick days and they're not going to be doing like the biggest thing with them. You know, these are not going to be like grand plans in a lot of cases that are going to be like, Oh, you know, 
I'm going to burn this sick day because I've got this vacation planned or something like that. No, you're probably <laughs> actually going to use vacation because you need to make sure you have those days off. Well, see, I'm reminded of – and this this is kind of sports-related, but I'll bring it back. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with uh, Brett Redden, the SID at Winthrop University, and we were talking about how their mascot rides for ba- for basketball games, rides onto the floor on a Harley, and – that's not the most pleasant smell on press row as, you know, the gas fumes go by you. And so he sent me back a thing saying these are going to go in your press kits this year, and it's a picture of a guy in a SARS mask. And so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing, you know, just rolling into work wearing a SARS mask. It's like, uh, hey, Ed, uh, what's going on? Why are you wearing the mask? Ah, I just felt like it. <laughs> Figured it would top off my, my outfit. <laughs> you know what I but there's the thing, though, is you know that someone at the office, there's always that guy that has to one-up everybody, so he would come in in a gas mask the next day. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yeah, nice outfit, Darth. It's March. Yeah. <laughs> I see you sweating onto your inside of your mask. Uh, that doesn't look comfortable. You know, I just noticed this first point kind of goes back to something we were talking about at the beginning of the program. It's all about synergy on this program. The uh, Thanks to technological advances, taking a sick day no longer always means taking a day off. 20% of workers say in the past year they called in sick but still ended up doing work from home throughout the day. Not surprised to hear that at all. I'm not either. I I couldn't be less surprised to hear that. Speaking as somebody who does occasionally work, you know, after hours or whatever else, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that, so I can certainly understand how that would happen. See, now, the other, the other side, too, though, is I really thought that you were going to say because of technology, people don't even need to talk to their boss to call in sick anymore. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be about that, and people feel like it's a lot easier to take a sick day because they can just fire off an email or something, uh, you know, yeah. attach some clip art, clip art of, like, a, a thermometer reading 102 <laughs> degrees and be like, see, super sick, sorry, <laughs> don't check my Xbox Live today, all right, I'm not on that, thanks, bye. <laughs> That's the, that's the excuse of the day right there. Just, yeah, there you go. Just saying. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? Cold weather and holiday stress can take a toll on absentee rates. Three in ten employers say they noticed an increased number of sick days among their employees around the holidays. Okay. Well, of course there's going to be an increased number of sick days around the holidays because you need to have that much more time to like wait through the TSA lines at your local <laughs> airport or whatever else is going on. So I totally understand that. But this article – talking about there are more sick days when it gets cold well yeah it's cold and flu season i'm not (laughs) saying that people won't take liberties with their sick days but that's when people get sick i I have to ask is there like a midnight madness uh for for cold and flu season god you know if there was i'm sure that there would be plenty of people that would be celebrating it most of all like vicks You know, Dayquil and Nyquil sponsor the cold and flu season, probably. You're watching ESPN's Debilitation Week, sponsored by VIX. Right, and then the sports science guy comes on and shows you <laughs> with some sort of, like, CGI illustration of, like, germs going into your body and then, you know, infecting you. And then this is why you need to take all this stuff. And then that's why you need to roll to the doctor and be around other sick people while you get your antibiotics that are eventually weakening or the uh, I'm sorry. I, 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 got, I got a little off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Morgan Spurlock. That's enough of that. 
<laughs> this virus is awful, baby, with a capital A. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> 19% of employers say that December is the time of year that employees call in sick the most, followed by January, 16%, and February, 15%. One other thing I would add, too, if you're in a lot of normal corporate offices these days, uh, your sick days, if you don't use them, you don't roll them over. So uh, people are going to inventively get sick or else they'll lose those days. Just th- throwing that out there. See, now I picture Steve Carell in the 40-year-old virgin. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? <laughs> but that's true, though. It's I, I never really understood that rule. I mean, you're not rewarding anyone for coming to work every day. You're really punishing people for coming to work every day. <laughs> and then they turn, they turn around and punish other people because they show up. <laughs> you know, but, but that's – hey, I haven't missed a day of work in five years. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. No, so so if I haven't missed a day of work in five years, then that means that I have five years worth of of sick days that have just gone by the boards. Uh, yeah, a lot of people aren't willing to to sacrifice that time. They're just like, you know what? Um, I've got a My fishing time. appointment that I need to do, or I need to go out and shoot some things, or I need to go out and uh, you know go see the latest Robin Williams movie or whatever it is they need to do. And you know, of course, if they're going to see a Robin Williams movie, they're going to do something else before they go out. So. You know, most of that would involve some kind of hallucinogenic, but we won't encourage that on this program. I'm taking a sick day because I'm sick of this job. (laughs) Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Now I have take this job and shove it stuck in my head. Thanks Uh, for that. You're welcome. Uh, 30% of employers say they've checked up on employees who've called in sick to make sure the excuse was legitimate. Of those who verified employees' excuses over the past year, 64% required a doctor's note. 48% 48% called the employee. Well, that's just stupid planning on your part. If you get called at home, how in the world are, are you going to not have something ready? I mean, you got to plan this out. Not that, again, not that, not that I'm doing this, but I've watched Ferris Bueller's day off enough to know. Yeah. The other thing is with caller ID, and you see it's the office calling, you don't answer. You listen to the message. You find out who it is that's calling, and then wait a certain amount of time. And be like, <laughs> uh, sorry, I just, I've been so weak from being sick that i just couldn't get to the phone yeah i was i was in the middle of a nap my fever just broke so i'm feeling a little better but i don't know we'll see how i feel for tomorrow you know something like that like you could come up with all kinds of things like why you didn't answer the phone when you're sick yeah or even better it's like yeah uh, i was vomiting and i didn't really think it was appropriate if i took the phone in the bathroom i didn't really think you'd want to hear that (laughs) so uh, i'm all better now you know that's dry heave and and uh Make it even more convincing. Try even rally. <laughs> uh, this this is where people really don't do any planning. Nineteen percent check the employee's social media posts. Exactly. Oh my gosh! So my joke is actually how people are being caught. Yeah. Why are you on Facebook or Twitter if you're sick? Finger quotes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because you had to post something about so sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need likes on my Facebook page. I don't feel well. Can you send me some nice cat pictures or pictures of chicken soup or something? Right now, there are exceptions to this. Like I, I honestly just learned this the other day. Uh, a woman I used to work with who was in the marketing department at one of my old stay. Um, I didn't find out exactly what happened, but she had posted something about like, uh, "Thank you so much for all the prayers and well wishes." She had had to have some sort of spinal cord oh. procedure, and it's like, whoa, that's no joke. I'm going to like your posts and send you well wishes and all of that stuff. Um, but for the people, it's like, have the flu again or you know, whatever. 
FML. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I just, I, I hate that so much. Um, I really do. I, I really, really do. And, um, you know, that would be another thing that I would say that would fall right into the category. Not FML, but posting about how sick you are. <laughs> no one, no one cares. <laughs> Mixing Nike with 151, hashtag YOLO. <laughs> What's that one called? The Reaper? <laughs> that's called the coma, I think, is what that is. There you, oh, that would be, that's even better, actually. <laughs> I'll give you the point on that one. That's a, if you're in college, that's called the non-consensual. But again, I, I digress. <laughs> the tweeter. <laughs> um, uh, oh, the, it, most people I, will think I meant Twitter, too. And yeah. That's sad. I, I just thought of something else that's kind of bad, too. What if you're one of those people who has, like, scheduled tweets, like in TweetDeck or whatever else, and one of your scheduled tweets goes off while you're, you know, at home sick, allegedly? One of my scheduled tweets is, hey, my boss, <laughs> job! <laughs> Calling in sick to work today, even though I'm not sick. Hashtag YOLO. Hashtag FYL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything's funnier to me with a, with a, a hashtag YOLO on it. Um... <laughs> When we're talking about it, at least. And then when I see it in real life, it's like, oh, gosh. Really? One other thing, too, about <laughs> about Facebook. And maybe this is another uh, big question for the program someday down the road. Uh, for Facebook rules or Internet rules or whatever else. Uh, don't ever, please, post pictures or details of whatever or whatever else of how sick your kids are. I mean, the last thing I want to hear about is how, you know, Johnny is ralphing his brains out. Or, you know, Kirsten has stomach issues. I don't want to hear about it. It's enough. Unless your kid has a funny take about themselves being sick in the kids say the darndest things kind of spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or something like that. Like, I don't know. You give them some sort of cold medicine and they start talking about, like, the people dancing around their bed or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, <laughs> if you're not going to share something like that, then, uh, yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know. I think that might be more information than the world needs. <laughs> Johnny's Crohn's disease acted up, so I gave him some oh. ibuprofen and Cheetos. Hashtag real parenting. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> Crohn's disease. <laughs> David Gerard is like, can we talk about that actually a little? I want to raise awareness. <laughs> what, what color uh, uniform socks does that bring out? I, you know, that's actually that's a really good question. I don't know. Do you make him a jaguar? Or, or, he was with the dolphins at some point. I still, he's still trying to play. Uh, let's see. Seventeen percent had another employee call the sick employee. Well, that's that's stupid. Getting caught that way too. And fifteen percent drove past the employee's house. Now, I'll say this: with the proliferation of garages these days, that's not any longer a surefire way to catch somebody unless said person has so much crap in their garage that normally they have to park outside. So that's not really foolproof anymore. See, I just picture because I'm convinced that this person is just going home to play Xbox, you know, like has nothing important to do. And that therefore I am just picture them going home to play Xbox. I would be so amused if a boss caught an employee calling in fake sick to work because they were playing like connect or some stuff <laughs> right by their living room window. And they're like throwing uppercuts and kicks and stuff, you know, <laughs> Hey, so I uh, drove by your place, uh, saw you punching the air a bunch. You seemed like you were okay. Yeah, it's like I've seen stories uh, where guys in uh, in workers' comp suits, uh, you know, say that they're debilitated and can't go to work, and they have, like, these, you know, leg casts and everything, and then later they have PIs catch them at, like, kickboxing classes and stuff. 
Oh, that would be that's so funny, a kickboxing class. <laughs> I just picture that. Hey, I got this cast on <laughs> to keep my leg warm for my kickboxing class. <laughs> Hashtag Greg Zerline. Sixteen uh, percent say that they fired employees for calling in sick with a fake excuse. I mean, I can understand in some cases where that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, but in that uh, case, aren't aren't you just looking already? You know, you're you're looking for a reason to blow this person out, and that happens to be the reason. That's pretty much what I was headed towards. Whereas, I don't think this is going to be the only reason. Wonder what the most common reasons that employees take sick days are. Let's let's go over those. Oh, because they just don't feel like going to work. Thirty three percent. They needed to relax. Twenty eight percent. Aren't those the same thing? Uh, others spend their sick days going to a scheduled doctor's appointment, 24%. Well, that makes sense. <clears throat> Seriously, if, yeah. if you're sick, go to a doctor. Uh, catching up yeah. on sleep, 19%. Again, same thing. Or uh, running personal errands, 14%. Well, if you have sick kids, I mean, that's a personal errand, isn't it? Huh. Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, I don't know. If your kids are sick, uh, that does not make for an acceptable sick day for you. <laughs> it's like a... Hey, it's a sick day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy, I know you're five, but can you drive yourself to the doctor? I don't want to piss my boss off. Look, don't take too much of this codeine cough syrup, Billy, all right? <laughs> I'll just leave for you to take this as you will. <laughs> if you mix it with grape soda, I will be very upset. Real quick here, uh, as we wind down the program, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and go through some of these real-life excuses. And then for those of you on the live side, you'll get to hear us talk sports. For those of you on the recorded side, eh. Jump around when we're on the sports topics, and if not, screw you. Uh, favorite real-life excuses. Employees' false teeth flew out the window while driving down the highway. Hmm. You know, I guess. <laughs> I, I just, I'm trying to think, what do you have your teeth out for? Uh, you got me, son. I, I have no idea. It's like, I don't know. yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and let these things air out while I'm driving. Uh, oh, well, there they go. <laughs> Like, are you, I mean, you know, I, I just don't see where this is that big of a problem unless you have a very specific job. Like, if you're taste testing corn nuts, yes, that would be a problem. But otherwise, you probably could bang away at your computer just fine um, and not talk to people all day at your office, which is probably normal. This is one that we've probably been tempted to use. Employees' favorite football team lost on Sunday, so needed Monday to recover. Hmm. I somehow I, the first thought I had was that must be huge in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Hi, Pittsburgh. No, I'm just saying, like, it seems like Steeler fans, because they take it so seriously, would be more willing to just be like, you know, what? I just <sighs> really upset about the way that Emmanuel Sanders didn't get that first down. And I'm just going to need to stay home and drink some icy light for the rest of the day. So. Is what you're saying sort of like, you know, Raider fan couldn't make the business trip because he went through security and his shoulder pad set off the alarm? Is that, that what you're saying? Dude, Raider fan's not making any business trip anyway. <laughs> okay, uh, court-ordered public service. <laughs> right. Knows? There you go. Uh, let's see. Employee was quitting smoking and was grouchy. That actually might be worthwhile. <laughs> if you've been around people who are trying to quit smoking, man, they're no fun. <laughs> <laughs> employee said that someone glued her doors and windows shut so she couldn't leave the house to come to work. That's my personal favorite because, first of all, I want to assume that that's true. All right? If it's true, that means that someone took a whole lot of time to mess with this person. <laughs> 
I know that's that's kind of one of those things where you have to have a few hours handy to do something like that. I, I mean, I would love to call in with that excuse if it were <laughs> valid, because that would be a great story. <laughs> yeah, and then a friend of mine decided to glue all of my doors and windows shut. <laughs> Tell you what, that sounds awesome. Why don't you send in some pics of that? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's uh. But good times. I mean, it's a it's a great it's it's a good story whether it was real or not. I'm assuming not. Employee bit her tongue and couldn't talk. That's a bad thing. Again, in a lot of cases, I don't really think this is going to get in the way of your work unless you're going to call me in the middle of dinner and try to sell me something I don't want. Then this isn't a problem for your job. Uh, maybe she called in sick from being a hooker. Who knows? Oh, maybe. Employee claimed a swarm of bees surrounded his vehicle and he couldn't make it in. Does this guy live in the game Paperboy? Like, how did that? <laughs> just, wow! Just bees right around the car, <laughs> just only around the car. That's the reset you went with out of all that. Wow! Is that a bad one? No, I liked it. I'm just I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> yes. Wow! All I could think of right away was that, or like, what was it? The skating game Seven Twenty. <laughs> Hashtag old video games. Yeah. Oh, I love them. <laughs> now yeah, that was a great one for the TurboGrafx 16. Yeah, I'm I'm not really a uh, a person who responds very well to bee stings, like I swell no. up and all that and all that. But I do uh, not either. Yeah, uh, that's nuts. This is one that I think we've probably heard from uh, you know reasons why we can't hang out with the family around Thanksgiving. Employees said the chemical in turkey made him fall asleep and he missed his shift. That guy be tryptophanning. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That was for Jerry. <laughs> tryptophan like I, I do. A, yeah. Every time I make a bad joke, I blame it on Jerry, which is so unfair to him. <laughs> or maybe it's fair. I don't know. It's your dad. Well, he's uh, he's the king of bad jokes. Luckily, that skipped a generation. Oh, good. The employee felt like he was so angry he was going to hurt someone if he came in. That actually sounds completely responsible to me. Uh, you know, while not acceptable and not one that's going to ever, you know, work. Um, <laughs> if you really, if you really feel that bad and that angry, please don't come into the office where I am. I'm doing it out of consideration for my coworkers. Look, you know what? If that, if if that was a, a truly any consideration in this guy's mind, good. Don't come in. Dude comes I'm in. Not kidding. Dude comes in and just starts throwing. I mean, he he finds a secretary, knocks her in the floor. You know, sees the guy who works in tech support. You know what, bitch, and just knocks knocks him over. You know, I, I'd want to see that. I think. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the middle of it, but I'd want to see it. If you feel like as soon as you get through your office doors, you're going to be doing a Terry Tate impression, <laughs> don't come in. <laughs> you kill the Joe, you make some mo. Exactly. <laughs> the pain train's coming. <laughs> Employee received a threatening phone call from the electric company and needed to report it to the FBI. A threatening <laughs> phone call from the electric company. Let's let's reenact it. You know what, bitch? Go ahead. Turn on that fuse. You know you want to. I'm standing right outside. I'll shoot through this window. Don't think I won't. You haven't paid that bill for several months. As soon as you flip that light switch in the bedroom, do you know what's going to happen? When not you find out? <laughs> you know, I, I just I, – I can't really – Imagine, uh, you know, if, if there's – there are plenty of people that are jaded in their jobs. Sure. However, I got to say that I think that 
people that work in utilities in many cases are completely <laughs> over it. I mean, come on, you know, you got DMV workers, you got people like that. I mean, especially when I just had to move about a month ago, having to call, you know, and change over the account to a different water district and a, you know, different cable company and you know, all those different things that I had to do. Um, a lot of people working customer service are not all that pumped about their jobs. And I got to say that the ones that were working for a utility company were that much less pumped about their jobs. As, uh, as I've said a million times, whenever you call a lot of these places, it sounds as though the person on the other end of the uh, phone would rather be getting stabbed in an alley than talking to you. Right. Hey, so I was calling to start a new service. I'm going to be moving uh, into Encinitas on uh, Friday, uh, the 21st. <laughs> all right. Uh, let me get that going for you. Wait, when did you say you're moving again? Uh, Friday, the 21st, like I just mentioned. And um, and where did you say you're living? Encinitas. <sighs> right. You, know, <laughs> you just go with like, wait a second. Hold, please. Isn't this, isn't this your job? No? Okay. Employee needed to finish Christmas shopping. So why don't you do like the rest of the slackers in your office and go Christmas shop on Amazon at work? Yeah. I mean, that's that's just dumb. That's really dumb. <laughs> Look, unless you needed to go to the mall to, like, throw your baby at cops like that one woman on the show several months ago. <laughs> Remember that? Yes, very well. Cops are going to take me, so I'm going to throw my baby at him to get that three-step head start so I can be caught in front of the uh, Cinnabon instead of being caught in front of the Barnes & Noble that's now empty. Employee's fake eye was falling out of its socket. I'm going to guess they had to call Kenny Maine to fill in for that guy that night. Whoa. Uh <laughs> If your fake eye is falling out of its socket, that might be disruptive at work. It might be for the best if you don't come in, actually. Uh, yeah, you can't really cover Jets minicamp all that well in that case. Oh! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Uh, employee got lost and ended up in another state. That could happen here because I'm, you know... Two, On the border. Yeah, I'm two miles from North Carolina, but... Um, <laughs> I need more context on this. We need better journalism on what happened there. Right. No, I mean, I, you know, hey, it sounds like it's got potential. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe that happened. Maybe, you know, there's a spot in our nation where you can be in, what, four states and, like, pretty much at the same time. So, who knows? <laughs> I started to work in one time zone and... <laughs> Yeah, wound up in another time zone. Didn't realize that across the street was an hour later. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> and finally, employee couldn't decide what to wear. Uh... <laughs> so many things I could say about that. None of them I probably should say. Nope, I probably should just let that one go. You can make your own jokes. It's our gift to you. <laughs> and uh, speaking of gifts to you, our next gift is to end this program. This has been Did That Make Air, episode number eight. You can catch us again next week. Be back here, same time, same channel. For Ed Barnes, I'm Brian Wilmer. And, uh... Get outside. Yes, please. Stop interacting through screens, unless it's with us. See you next week.